Welcome to King's Touch Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe God's word will impact your everyday life. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining me. Just loving on my God. You may have your seats. Oh, God is so good. God is amazing. Hallelujah. You know, this topic of the people of the book is really nice because it cuts through each and every one of us, whether you love the book or you're not sure if you love the book or you're learning to love the book, this message cuts through to all of us. And this afternoon, I want to ask us, are we where we feel we need to be in life with regards to the book? When you look at your life and how you operate with your family, with your business, with your schoolwork, are you where you should be? Do you feel like you are where you should be? You know, when we are in school, we interact with our teachers, right? Yeah. So you interact with me. Are we where we should be in life? No, yes. No. Including myself, my answer is no. I feel like there's so much that I need to do. There's so much that can be done in my life as I continue working and letting God work in my life. Amen? Proverbs 23 verse 7, you know, I'll, whoever is on the, on the, try to be faster. Proverbs 23 verse 7, because I'll not read the whole scripture. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Do you have another version? Which other one do you have? NIV. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. For he is the kind of person who is always thinking about the cost. Ah, ah, ah. Like, take me back to the KJV again. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat, eat and drink, saith he to thee. <sighs> Give me a KJV does that, that does not have the, the, the. <laughs> Thank you. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As we think in our hearts, so are we. As people of the book, what are we thinking? How are we thinking it? How are we doing it? Are we thinking and believing the way God thinks about us? Because if we continue thinking the way God thinks about us, we will become the way he thinks about us. Has that gotten down? If we start thinking according to the way the scriptures expect us to think, what will happen to us? We will start changing. We will start being transformed to become what God has intended for us to be. Amen? Amen. What is holding us back? Is it fear? What are those things that are holding you back from being who God has called you to be? And I want us to look at three categories. Every question that I'm asking you, I want you to think about it in terms of yourself, in terms of your family, in terms of your vocation. You can call it ministry, you're a student, you're a business person, you're a career person, whatever it is, those three things, yourself, your family, and your vocation or your career or you know, profession, whatever it is. What is holding you back from getting to where you need to be with your family? When we talk about family, we have so many ways to look at it. Family can be mean between you and your siblings. It can mean between you and your spouse. 
It can be, mean between you and your children, whatever it is, whatever family means to you. What is holding you back from being who you need to be as a good parent, as a good husband, as a good wife, as a good sister or brother? or relative. What are those things that are holding you back from achieving God's purpose for your life? Do you even know God's purpose for your life? What happens when you go to class? You write notes. You start questioning yourself. You start writing answers. So I'm looking at good students writing notes, asking themselves, thinking through. Amen? Amen. What are those fears that you're having in your life, in your private life? Those fears that you're scared to deal with in your marriage, in your career. What are those things that are holding you back from becoming who God has called you to be? Is it the fear of the unknown? I'm scared of getting married. I don't know how it will be. None of us knows. We are all there by faith. We do not know how tomorrow. So what is that that is holding you back? From starting a business, what is holding you back? From growing your business, from expanding your business, from doing that, you know those many dreams that we have? I don't know if you guys are like me, but I have amazing ideas, business ideas inside my head. There are so many that sometimes I go to class and I'm like, I wish two or three of my students can just pick one or two of these ideas because I can't do all of them. What is holding you back from following those dreams, starting those businesses, starting those families, you know, parenting? What are those things that are holding you back? Today, God is asking you, all those things that are holding you back, have you gauged them against the book? All those things, can we put them on the balance and see what is the Bible saying about it? And what have you done? Because faith comes by? And? Wonderful students. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. What have you been hearing from God about your situation? You know, sometimes we pray so much, or rather we spend a lot of time talking in prayer, but we are not listening. And how are we praying? We're using a lot of words, but we're not even praying the scripture. Why? Because we do not even know the scripture. When we go to God in prayer, it's not just about opening your mouth and speaking. No, no, no. There's a way to do it. He responds to his word. God responds to the word in the book. So if you do not read the book, how will you know how to pray? Am I making sense? How shall we pray? How shall we commune with God? How shall we know how to deal with our family situations, with our careers, with our family, with our, you know, businesses, with our education for those who are students? How shall we know how to deal with these situations if we do not go back to the book? Right now, I know we've spoken so much about the pandemic, but we're looking for people, people in the medical industry. Where are you? I mean, the brains that God gave you are for such a time as this. Just like Esther, 
if you do not do what you need to do with the gift that God has given you at a time such as this, as this, what will happen? Another one will arise. It's a challenge for all of us. Those of us who are musicians, those of us who are balladeers, in such a time as this, where is your voice of encouragement? Where are you to sing those songs of the Lord in such a time as this, when people are discouraged? Where are those voices coming from the scripture to encourage our world? If there was ever a time that music made sense, this is the time it should have made sense. Are we together? Every vocation, those of us who are accountants, are we able to count and say, no, this is not making sense? Praise the Lord. God is looking for each of us. Some of us may say, you know what? I'm not in a career. I'm just a woman at home. Yes, you who feels just a woman at home. Do you know what major role you play in society? Being at home? It's one of the greatest treasures that you can ever have. It's such a privilege to be a mother. It's such a privilege to be a stay-at-home mom. I am a stay-at-home mom, but I do business. What a privilege it is to raise children. Do you know how many women are crying to at least conceive, even if it enters and goes out, and you're at home sitting, doing nothing, waking up late in the morning after the sun is all up? That's the truth. Where are we? Where are the women that rise up like the Proverbs woman? Rise up while it is yet early. And when I speak about the women, I'm speaking to the men as well. God is looking for these men that will make a difference in our society. Am I right? Where are the men that will wake up their families and say it's time to pray. It's time to seek the Lord. Praise the Lord, gentlemen. You know, when we speak to men, we do not raise our voices because there's a way they don't hear loud noises. So when I'm addressing the men, brothers, am I right? You hear it when it's calm, right? So, brothers, allow me to just minister to the brothers in the house. I'm asking you, and the Lord is asking you today, Where is that passion to wake up and commune with your God? Where is it? Where is that hunger? God is saying today, seek me and you will find me. Seek me. He will be found. He's looking for people who are hungry. He's a communicator. He just wants people who will commune with him. He doesn't need you to be a prayer warrior. No, there's nowhere in the Bible it's saying, please be a prayer warrior. No, it's just saying, commune with God. The warrior part, we all get trained into being warriors. There's no soldier who becomes a soldier on day one. We have to go through the training and their ranks and their levels. But you have to start somewhere. Amen? So today my challenge to all of us is what is holding you back from doing that which God has called you to do? Are you weighing it against the book, the Bible? Is it misplaced priorities? Or like I love to say, is it laziness? Laziness. 
it's a big challenge. It's a demon. If you ever find yourself in a place where you're feeling, why today I'm feeling lazy. I don't feel like... <laughs> and you know you have responsibilities. Cast that thing away. Don't allow, don't allow yourself to go down that road. May the Lord help us today to find him. May the Lord help us today because if he does not help us, then how will we find him? We do not even know how to do it. But he's told us through the book, through the book we will find him. Through the book we will know him. Whatever it is, we need a reset. We need a renewal of our mind. And I know you know the scriptures. Today I'm just encouraging you. The word of God says, let us be renewed. Let our minds be renewed. Let's be transformed from the inside. Let's be changed from the inside. Hallelujah. Let's start to see things from God's perspective. You know, when I wear my specs, the view is different because they become darker in light. So there's a way I love to see bright light. I love to see bright things. So when I wear my specs, the view is different. The same way, when you wear God's lenses, you will see life differently. The things that trouble you. You know, some of us are very petty. We get angry so easily. We get offended so easily. I tell you the day you wear God's lenses, you'll start wondering, you'll even wonder, why am I getting angry? You'll start getting delivered. you start getting set free. Because these things don't matter. When we were younger in our marriage, I would get upset very easily because I kept thinking, I always want life to be, you know, I want everything to be in a straight and narrow, you know. And after many years, I thought to myself, really? What a waste of my time. Getting angry. I mean, there are better things to do in life than getting angry. There is so much to do in life than getting upset about someone who didn't do or did or whatever, what, what, what. I mean, can we spend our time worshiping God? Can we spend our time loving people? Can we spend our time doing other things? As people of the book, once we indulge with the word of God, I tell you something happens inside of you. You will not know at what point you changed, but you'll wake up and you'll think, hmm, I'm such a sweet person lately. Whether you tell me or not, I can feel it and I know it. Can someone testify like me? You know it and you know it. Something has just taken place. And you even sometimes I feel like I wish I could be that person that I can be so. And I realize, ah, I can't even get there. I'm like, mm -mm. you understand? That's the effect of the book, the effect of the word of God. It transforms you, it changes you, it makes you become someone else. It makes you become who God intended for you to become. Praise the Lord. Amen. People of the book understand God's cry. And they know God's cry for their generation. If I ask you today, what's God's cry for our generation? What is it? What's your burden? What's the burden in your heart? What do you feel like this is what God is asking me to do for my generation? People of the book, they know and they understand God's cry for their, from, for their generation. Starting from Genesis to the New Testament. There's something we call the creative mandate. 
The creative mandate is that place in Genesis 1.28. Please put the scriptures because I might not even open the Bible to read it so that people can see it's the book. You can even use the real King James, the thee, thou, than. <laughs> the creative mandate challenges us to be fruitful and to multiply. Have you been fruitful? Have you been multiplying in whatever God has called you to do? There's a class that I teach, and I find it very interesting in the seasons when we come to ask students, what's your purpose in life? And I find it very interesting when they tell me procreation, giving birth, bringing children to the world. You guys are looking at me like you're shocked, but I know some of you, those are your answers. <laughs> That's not the only reason we've, we, we are called to be on earth. There's much more to life than just giving birth, Right? But the mandate that God gave us at creation is to do what? God bless, bless them. He said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over who? The fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So when God is saying be fruitful and multiply, it's this creation here. There's fish. Some of us go to the beach, and you know what you do at the beach? Throw paper bags, all those things in the beach. Really? How obedient are you to Genesis 1.28? How do you want our fish to survive? Are you taking dominion? Yes. We eat. I mean, we have to be practical. Let's bring this thing to our reality. We walk on our streets. How much trash is on our streets? Let's go into your bedrooms. Is there anything like someone who's subduing the dirt in their rooms? I mean, are you understanding what I mean? We need to take charge. That's what the Lord has told us. Dominion, have dominion over creation. That is fish. That is birds. When we do not take care of our own environment, how shall we take care of God's creation? Aye. You find trees, you cut them. You, I mean, there's no responsibility of our creation, especially for those of us in Africa. We have no respect for creation. And yet the scriptures say creation is groaning of the sons of God. Where are the sons of God who cannot take dominion? You cannot do what Genesis chapter 1 is telling us. So how do you expect revelation to happen if you cannot even do Genesis 1? People of the book, they follow what God has put in the book from Genesis 1 to Revelation. Everything in that book is supposed to be done. Not because you can do it, but because he can do it through us. Every time you walk past that, remind yourself, take charge. There's fish that are depending on us. There's birds that are depending on the trees that we're just cutting and, you know, doing I don't know what. Let's take care of creation in your compounds. I mean, let someone come into your place and see the beauty of God to see that you've taken charge. Whatever level you're at, whether you live in an apartment or a villa, let creation feel the effect of your presence on earth.
Hallelujah. Let the people around you, your family, the people in your places of work, let them feel the effect of you being there, being fruitful and multiplying at your places of work. Are you fruitful? How is your time management? I tell you, when you just feel it's touching you, say, thank you, Jesus. Because the Lord is healing. You just say, thank you, Lord, for healing and deliverance. May we be delivered from poor time management. Our God is a God of time. He honors his time. And that's why we have 12 hours, 12 hours. We have seven days. I mean, he's a God of order. Can you imagine if one day the sun decided I'm not going down? What would happen to us? Some of you would be restless because you've not slept. Because you wait for the darkness to sleep. <laughs> That's the truth. What if something just changed from how God manages our time? How would we survive? What if winter extended? Or this cold season. For you guys, it's a cold season, I'm told. Me, I'm really enjoying your weather. What if this season was all year round? How would some of us survive? You'd be stressed, right? Some of us, some. You get? So, what I'm trying to say is, God is expecting us to take charge, and I'm breaking it down to the simplest of forms, so that we can get home and be able to relate with our environment. When God says, let's be fruitful, let's be, let's multiply, let's have dominion, let's subdue. Subdue means you get to that place of work and any spirit that is not of God is subdued. When was the last time you went early to office and prayed over all the seats in that office? When was the last time you dedicated your boss to prayer? You're just there and you do not even know what kind of gods they are serving. Genesis 1. That is your mandate. Creation. This is a creative mandate. You can create the atmosphere in your workplace. Create the atmosphere in your marriage. Our generation is very fast to just say, ah, if it's not working, me, do not put me under stress. Excuse me. Can you follow Genesis 1 and subdue? Do you think subduing comes without pressure? Have you ever subdued something that is just going down? That's not subduing. That's just pushing it. <laughs> Subdue takes effort. Taking dominion. I mean, it's not effortless. Something has to go down. Some effort has to happen. So today, as people of the book, I'm challenging us. Can we take that creative mandate seriously? Because if we do not take it, there is someone somewhere else going to do it. And you know it very well. If we do not raise up our children the way God has asked us, train up a child in the way that they should go. Train means, you know what a train is, Gariamoshi? How does it go? They're all tied up, right? All the carriages are one to another. If the head of that train turns this way, what happens? Everything follows, right? If it changes the rail line, everything? So, how do we want our children to follow the line when we do not even have a line that we are following? 
We have no system, no manual, no idea of what to do with our families. Where do we want our children to go? How do we want them to be trained up? Our African culture is very fast in beating up children. I grew up in a... I mean, I'm just African like you. But I'm very slow to beat children these days because I ask myself, why am I beating this child? What is it that they've done that needs to be beaten? Have I spoken to them gently? Have I shown them what I want them to do? If they mess up on the floor, why can't I first teach them by doing it? And I tell them, tomorrow when you pour that milk on the floor, you make sure you wipe it. But we're here. Ngeli zangu ni wrong, but you can understand. So, as in my cry today is, can we parent our children according to the word of God? Children have such a strong capacity to receive the word of God. I mean, you can teach them multiple scriptures and they understand it. Why is it that our Muslim brothers teach their children the word, their, okay, their word, and their children get it all? What's wrong with us Christians? What's wrong with us parents? Stop having children if you don't want to teach them the word of God. Let them stay in your stomach until you're ready. I'm serious. Why are we torturing the children, bringing them into the world? No direction, no... I mean, we're not training them. And then we bring them here to Sunday school, all smart. Shame on us. Teach them at home. Whatever they learn at home, let them come and share it with us in Sunday school. The Sunday school teachers are not your parents. They are teachers. <laughs> let them do the parenting yourself. Train up a child the way they should go. Do you hear the Bible saying, take your children to Sunday school? There's no Sunday school. It is you in the home. And then here you say, I'm not a parent. The child that is in that home where you live is your responsibility. If you live with your brother's children, it's your responsibility. Stop exposing them to so many series, so many games, and they do not have the content of the word of God. I'm just being practical because we need that practicality in our lives. When we go to our jobs, we go late, we don't achieve our targets, then you say, eh, kazi ya uko nyingi sana. Promotion, you're wondering, why are they promoting me? Pastor, pray for me. Pastor, pray for me. Please don't overwork our pastors praying for lazy people. Go work. Then come and we pray after that. Mm. I'm saying the truth because that's how we have, I mean, Christians, we are lazy. And we need to come out of it. We can only come out of it by being people of the book. You are hearers and doers. You have to hear that word and do it. Every time I listen to a sermon, I always have at the top homework on my, note, on my notes. So when I go home that week, the Sunday message that I've listened to, I try to do as much homework as possible. When I come back tomorrow, let me see how much I've grown. Am I able to look through the year and look at my notes and say, Woo, look at me. 
God has been faithful. I have seen changes in my life. May the Lord help us. May the Lord help us to be fruitful and to multiply. We need to allow the word of God to be the way of life, to be our lifestyle. Where you go to work, can they say, whoo, this is a believer. Don't mess with that one. You cannot gossip in front of them. Mm -mm. You cannot backbite someone where they are. Are you that kind of a believer? Or are you that kind of a person where, eh, 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 we need to pray for that sister. Then you just listen to all the junk. Can you protect your sister? Can you protect your brother? May the Lord help us. Our work, our worship, our service needs to be according to the book. If we cannot live a life as doctors, as IT people, what professions are in this house? Lawyers. What professions are on this side so that I can be able to relate? Engineers, lecturers, teachers. I mean, especially us teachers. You know what the word of God says? You just keep lecturing and teaching and you're not doing what you are. Go read the scripture, I tell you. Can the day I go to office, can, can that be my place of worship? How I do what I do is my way of worship. The Bible says they that, you know, they will worship him in spirit and in truth. God is looking for worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. Truth where? In your place of work. I mean, will worship be limited to music? Really, that's such a thin, thin way of thinking. We need to worship God in the way we do things. It's so excellent that someone says, oh Lord, I, I just bless the Lord for how this person does their thing. I bless the Lord for how this tailor does their work. I bless the Lord for how this engineer designs their stuff. This architect, they have ideas that are divine. When was the last time you went to God for a divine idea for the businesses that you do, for the ideas that you do, for the employment place that you have, where you ask God, give me something that will transform this place. When was the last time you did that? Person of the book. We people of the book. Aren't we all people of the book? Yeah. At different levels, but we're all people of the book. We need to go back and ask God to help us to find a way to be people of the book. People who implement what God is asking us to do. In Genesis 1, we have the Great Commission. I mean, the creative mandate where God is asking us to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue, to have dominion over every living thing. Over what? And as you continue through the Bible, we get to the place in Matthew 28 where God is reminding us about the Great Commission, discipleship. The same idea of multiplication is happening here. We disciple. God is expecting us to be disciples, to be disciples and people who disciple others. The children in our families, let's disciple them in the way of the Lord. The places where we go to work, you're not there to work. You're not there for a job. You're there for a spiritual mandate. You're supposed to be the pastor in that place where you work. For us who are musicians and out there, you're supposed to, the, to be the pastor for those people. You're the shepherd for those people. 
So today may the Lord help us wherever we are, wherever God has called us to be, to become disciple makers of whoever God has placed us under anyone who you meet. May they become disciple to become someone that God has purposed you to make them to be. Amen. Amen. Let no one ever come in your space and live the same way. May they be transformed. The dadas in our homes, how many of us even minister to them? We look at them like someone, like a second class citizen. No, they're not. They're in your space so that they can receive the word of God. Amen? Amen. When we as a church don't disciple the nations, the nations will disciple us. And they'll disciple us in evil ways that we cannot even comprehend. I want to give you a story of a lady called Margaret Sanger of the popular Planned Parenthood. And in her book, uh, in her book called My Way to Peace, she wrote that certain types of people should be targeted for sterilization. And I know this is a very sensitive issue that I'm bringing up, the issue of abortion. So many of us believers are comfortable with the idea of, you know, you can abort, you know, if you've been raped, if you, you know, you can just do it. Many of us who are married, you feel like, ah, this child is not planned. And I know it's there. I'm a pastor. I minister to people who are going through this. Those of us in campus, you know you've been sleeping with that person. You know you've been, you know, sleeping around with so many girls. And you tell them, And what do those girls do? They run for abortion. We are going against Genesis 1.28. Be fruitful. God is expecting us to be fruitful, but not in that direction. But if it happens, do not get it out. It is a life. He formed me in my mother's womb. He knew me. As in conception took place, God already knew me from that day one. The day you made a decision and said, I feel like this girl. I feel my feelings. I feel like I have to sleep with her. The day that thing was formed, God knows it. So when you are about it, what is God looking at? Murderers? People who are choosing life? Making their choices, my life, my choice. While we say, ah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not for abortion. What are you doing about it as a believer? It's become really rampant. And you know, some of us can say it's not a big deal. It doesn't affect me. It affects you. And that's why the Lord is allowing it to be spoken today. As people of the book, what are we doing about it? When we are tweeting, when we are on our Instagram pages, and we go through these pages where people are speaking, you know, for these things, what are we doing about it? We cannot be silent as a church anymore. We need to speak about these things. We need to reach out to those people who are brokenhearted. This Margaret Sanger... One of the things that she talked about is the people that need to be sterilized are people with mental and physical disability. I'm not even giving you details of her book. It's really terrible. After sterilizing this, the people with disabilities, then they would sterilize the people who are illiterate, the poor, the unemployable, the criminals, the prostitutes, and the drug addicts. 
according to my understanding of scripture, all these people listed are people needing salvation. Yes. When we sterilize them, what are we saying? Genesis 1.28. What is the intention of this Planned Parenthood? It's the one supporting our elections. You might not know, but as believers, how can we sit down and not follow up what is happening behind the vaccinations that are being given in our nation? And I'm not even talking about COVID. I'm talking about the others. How can you be comfortable sitting in your home, not knowing the politics that are going on in your country, saying, I'm not a politician? What is your role in society? What is your role in the national decisions? We cannot just be silent. People of the book take charge. People of the book get involved with global issues. They get involved with national issues. They get involved with regional issues. They get involved with everything that is happening around them because our enemy is moving to and fro, seeking who he may devour. So we cannot be silent as people of the book. We need to do something about it. And my prayer today is that the Lord will quicken our hearts, that we do not keep silent about different issues happening in our society, about fatherlessness. Many of us are raised without fathers. You know, the gentlemen in our midst, it's such a privilege to have you in our midst. But we want you to know that we need men in our society. Don't look at the women with a lustful eye. Don't allow the men around you to do that. Stand up for them. Defend them. That's what Isaiah 58 talks to us about. What kind of a fast are we fasting? If we cannot lose the bonds of the oppressed. What kind of a fast are we fasting? If we cannot set the captives free. May the Lord help us. May the Lord encourage us to be fathers in our communities. Don't let our children just go like that. Let the men stand up and defend us. Defend the women in your lives. Defend your mothers. Defend your sisters. There's a reason why you are men. And there's a reason why God has put us under your authority. We need to understand our authority. And I don't say that so that you just take for granted. No, there's levels of authority. But take your place. Don't let anyone scare you. There's a place God has put you in life. Don't be afraid to exercise it. We cannot continue to have fatherless communities because families are being targeted because of men who might be there, but they're not there. Be involved. Be there as men of the book, as women of the book. Take your place. Do what God has called you to be. Amen? Amen. Identity challenges. Our world, I mean, it's going the extreme opposite. We do not know if we are men or we are women. God is calling us to know the difference between men and women. I'm sorry to say this, but there's a difference between a man and there's a difference between a man and a woman. And we do not compromise that in the church. A man is a man and a woman is a woman. That's just the word of God. 
Don't get confused. Go to campus. Don't say, ah, it's okay. Whatever you feel. If you feel comfortable to be a woman, it's okay. If you feel comfortable to be a man, it's okay. Which word, which word, which word are you following? Are you a person of the book when you say it's okay to do what you want? No. Our black needs to be black and our white needs to be white. Life is not about being accepted by everyone. It's about being accepted by our God. He will defend you. He will fight for you. He will be there for you if you can stand by the book. Let these churches of ours not be the places of confusion. May the Lord help us to become disciple makers wherever we go in our society. Know what the Bible says. Know what God is expecting of you and run with it. Be firm in your commitment to God because when you're firm in your commitment to God, he will defend you. He will fight for you. Whatever you do not understand, he will make it work for you. So people of the book ask God for wisdom daily. In James, the Bible says, who wants wisdom? Ask him. Ask him. He gives freely, liberally. He gives abundantly. And it's so simple. Just say, Lord, I need wisdom on how to handle children. I have two amazing children and I just love working with them. And I get to interact with a lot of other children. And I realize every time I tell God, give me wisdom on how to handle the simplest of situation. I mean, God gives you ideas that even you, you're amazed at how you have handled those situations. You can handle anything that you want in life. Even spouses. There are many times I tell God, God, I just need wisdom for my husband today. And I tell you the wisdom I get. I can't even tell him I've gotten wisdom from above. (laughs) I have to, you know. Lucy, thank you for asking for wisdom. You know. We need wisdom at our places of work on how to handle our employees. Some of us are so mean with the people that work for us. And the word of God, Isaiah 58, oppressing your workers. I mean, you cannot do it and go scot-free. God's word will catch you. Let's do what we need to do with wisdom. Ask God for wisdom daily. Talk to God about your plans. Every morning you wake up, people of the book, they share their plans with God. That's Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1 to 3. Ask God for wisdom. Let's read that verse. Proverbs 16, verse 1 to 3. I'm about to wind up. The preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. You know, All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. I like that part. Commit your works to the Lord. And what will be established? Here is what is established. Commit your plans to God daily. Tell God, Lord, today, these are the things I want to do. But as I go to do them, I submit myself to you. Your work is your worship. As you do your work, you're just worshiping God. You're just adoring him. You're just loving on him and telling him, Lord, I thank you for my boss. He's going to submit today. He will not be angry. He'll be in a good mood. He'll be able to be productive. He'll be able to be focused. And what will happen to you? You get the benefits of that 
the fruits of whatever he will be going through, right? People of the book associate with the right people. Proverbs 15 verse 22. You associate with the right people. Plans go wrong when you do not have good advice. Without counsel, plans go awry. Oh, that English is nice. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Ooh, your plans get what? Established with good counsel. People of the book. Can you see what happens when you're a person of the book? You just open proverbs like this and just get ideas like, ooh, how can my things get established? Just simple. As in, can we take the word of God literally? Literally. People of the book know where their revelation comes from. Give me John 14, verse 21 to 23. People of the book know where their revelation comes from. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Mm. Judas said to him, Lord, how is it that you'll manifest yourself to us and not the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will do what? If you love the Lord, people of the book, what will you do? And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Give me another version. I wish you can get the version that I like. Amplified. If anyone really loves me, he will keep my word, my teaching, and my father will love him and will come to him and make, uh, uh, make our dwelling place with him. Mm. There's another inferior version. <laughs> Who can read the message? I'm looking for a version that says he will reveal himself to them. As you look for that verse, you'll show it to me. Give me um, Proverbs 12, verse 1, and Proverbs 25, verse 8. Proverbs 12, 1. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is? Can you imagine? The Bible uses such strong words. How many of us enjoy being disciplined? I know not all of us. Okay, let's, let's be nice. And please, don't look at me badly if I put up my hand. How many of us struggle with being disciplined? In different areas. There are some areas where disciplined and others where not. When you're disciplined, there's something about discipline that puts you in. If you do not like being corrected and put in order, what happens to you? You become that last word. He who hates discipline and correction is? Don't say it loudly because it's very tough. It's a tough word. Yeah. Okay, let's look at 25, 28. I mean, the word of God is really nice. And I don't know if you're like me. I, enjoyed read, I enjoy reading the word in different versions because different versions bring out... There's something nice about it. Unless I'm doing a study, but just reading and enjoying... Verse 28, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Self-control. How many of us struggle with self-control? 
How does it feel when you enter your compound and you find the fence has fallen? For those of you who live in places where there's a fence. How does it feel when you come suddenly and there's no fence? Don't you feel like insecure? Like something is not right? So can you imagine whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. How insecure are you when you have no self-control? So today my challenge is whatever area that you're struggling with self-control, it's one of the fruit of the spirit. The Lord is telling you work on it. Rebuild that wall. Start working on that area that needs self-control and put it back in order. Because people of the book are self-controlled. People of the book are wise and shrewd. That's Proverbs 27, verse 12 to 14. I mean, this is homework to all of us. Go back to your Bible. Look for as many scriptures that talk about people of the book. It's not like you'll find anywhere it's written people of the book. Just find, you know, wise and shrewd. Find anything that you can relate to someone who reads the Bible. Who are they? What are they? What do they find themselves in? You know, they do not sit in the seat of the... And they don't stand or walk in the way of... You understand? People of the book, people who read the word, they know I cannot sit here, I cannot stand here, I cannot walk in this way. So I'm challenging you, go and find things that you cannot do as a person of the book. We are wise and shrewd. Whoever... Uh, no, no, no. 27 verse 12 to 14. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple pass on uh, and are punished. They do what? What happens to you when you're simple? I tell you, God will punish you. Continue in your simplicity. <laughs> I think that's scripture, right? The prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are So if you cannot foresee evil and you cannot hide yourself, what will happen to you? Yeah. I mean, the word of God is straightforward. And that's why I'm saying people of the book are wise. When you go to do business, you cannot just be a businessman who does not keep records, who does not know how much money came in yesterday, do not keep receipts. You're just there. <sighs> Simple. Punishment is waiting for you. People of the book are wise. They are shrewd. They know what to do, when to do it, how to do it, with who to do it with, according to the, to the book. And lastly, people of the book are lovers. God is a lover. He loves extravagantly. He loves unconditionally. Those of us who say we love but we say, as long as, mm -hmm, that's not yet, you've not yet, you're still there, you're still on the journey. God loves extravagantly. He gives extravagantly. His nature is to love extravagantly, and his nature is to be personal with us in our private lives, in our business lives, in every area of your life. God wants to love you extravagantly. He wants to do whatever he does. How do you say extravagant in Swahili? I'm sure it has a nice word. It's... <clears throat> Aya. 
Okay, uh, extra? <laughs> no. Okay, give me the two or three words in Swahili. How God loves extravagantly. The people behind you have no Swahili. Kupenda sana is not giving me the feeling that I want. Yani God loves. You know what extravagant is? He loves and loves and loves. And that's what we people of the book are supposed to be. When you love God, you love him, you know. I mean, we're all adults. Let me just, you know, even when this example is so shallow compared to how God loves us. When you love a lady, my goodness. Even if you do not have money, I don't know where you get airtime suddenly and all night you're calling and speaking to them. When you love this lady and you know they love flowers. Oh, I love flowers. You have no idea. And my husband can spoil me with flowers. Even when I know he has no money, I'll just see flowers. And I'm thinking, ah, this one's now from where? But that's what happens to someone who loves. They will go out of their way to just do it. But now imagine our God. He is love himself. He loves you so much. And all he wants is just, so you just respond. I mean, how does it feel when I call you, I text you, I look for you, I, I, you know, I do all these things and you're just there. <laughs> how does it feel? Can you imagine that's what we do to our God? He loves us. He says, every morning I'll give you sunshine. At night I will let you rest. I'll make sure the grass is green for you to enjoy the beauty. I'll make sure the seas are blue for you. And you don't even reciprocate. Can't you just wake up and tell me, Lord, I love you. Lord, thank you for the blue seas and the green grass. I mean, that's how to love back on God. Tell him the beautiful things he's appreciating. When I get flowers, oh my goodness, I will, I will be all over the flowers. I love this pink one and the yellow one. I love the shape. I mean, I will love those flowers. So can you imagine when God is just waiting for you to love back on him? As in express to him. Ladies, when this man does something good to you, those of you who are looking forward to a man, please may the Lord strengthen you to wait. Because they that wait on the Lord, your strength will be what? Is it okay if I talk to these ones with men? Let me just look at your pastor so that the rest of you, I don't see your reactions. (laughs) On behalf of the others. Can we just love these men with their weaknesses, you know? And there's so much power in us as women to love these men and bring out the best in them. Stop expecting them to become better. Do your part and let God do the rest. Amen? The men in our lives, can we just love on these women? Bring out the beauty of who they are supposed to be. That's what Christ is doing to the church. He is loving us as a church so much. That's why we're listening to this message this whole week. He's saying, oh, my lovely church in Dar es Salaam. If only you would just seek me in the book. You would find me. You will enjoy fellowship with me. You would love how I respond to you. 
Can we speak to the women in our lives and tell them, you know, if you can just wake up in the morning, I'll pray with you. Even if you're struggling to read your Bible, I'll read one verse for you today. Then from next week, I'll be reading two verses and we continue like that. Is it okay, my wife? Please, please, we said when we are speaking to the brothers, we are calm. <laughs> you know? Because we need to make a difference in our society. Amen? Christ loved the church so much. So much. He gave himself for it. When are we going to give ourselves for our families? When are we going to give ourselves for our communities? When are we going to give ourselves for our nations? God just wants people to reciprocate the love. He just wants you to respond to him in love and in adoration. He just wants you to respond to him. At your places of work in your families. I mean, I have not broken it down to all the details. Time will fail me. With your children. Can they see how you love God and just want to be like God? When I was growing up, I had a loving father. He passed away in 2007. But my dream was to have a man like my dad. Ooh, my dad's bar was set up here. I told myself, I cannot date a guy who cannot match my father. And I did not date a guy until he's not like my father. He's very different from my father. But his bar is very high as well. The sense of pride in you has to be so high because of the father, of the mother that you see in your house. How shall we know God the father if we do not experience it in our families? If our children cannot experience your fatherhood, your motherhood, they're going to struggle to experience God the Father. So we need to be intentional about how we raise our children. That boss of yours will not know God the Father if you cannot reflect it in your performance. Please go to work on Monday. Work with all your heart. Let this be an army of believers that work, that it shall be said in this nation. We only want to employ people that are coming from that congregation. I'm looking for people that I will be able to train and someone will say, I only want to work with people that you have trained because that's what I do. I'm a teacher. I want to pastor people that someone says, I only want to work with people because the people that are there, they have the spirit of excellence. They have the spirit of God. Bereans, people who know their word. May the Lord help us. Amen. Oh, we need to love God. We need to worship him. There's something beautiful. I'm closing now. There's something beautiful that happens when the beats are played. If you're like me or even Pastor I know when the beats come. Ooh, you can't, you can't resist some beats. You know, there are some beats that you hear and you cannot hold back. There's just something that happens. Your body just starts moving. It starts with your foot, then your hands, then your head. And if you're not careful, you just jump out of that seat. The way we live our lives, 
can it be such a form of beauty and worship to our God that when you're at that in that place of work, God is just looking at that person and saying, hmm, have you seen Job, my servant? And things are just moving. There's a beat moving. Huh? Can God have such a sense of pride in you? When you stand here to worship, God is just receiving that worship. You know, where our work is our worship. Everything that we're doing is our worship. As you parent, God is just enjoying the beat of your worship. And glory goes back to him. And he says, mm, things are moving. Do you know when God just stamps his foot just a little, you think life is going to be the same? If an elephant just stamps its foot, what happens to that earth or that space? So how much more our God? When your work becomes your worship, when your service becomes your worship, and your worship goes before God the Father, he starts responding to that bit, and he starts enjoying your worship, things will start moving. Things will begin moving. Things will begin moving. So today my call is to all of us, the people of the book. Our work is our worship. Our family is a place of worship. Our place of work is a place of worship. The nation of Tanzania, the nation of Kenya, all over the world, all those who are watching, wherever God has placed us, it needs to be a place of worship where that worship goes up. You know, the... the the worship, you know, the, how do you call it? The altar of incense, yani the, the smoke or for lack of a better word, the fumes that just go up in the air are just such a beautiful aroma to our God that our God starts responding to our beat. And it's like, I love what this person is doing. I love. And when God is stamping his foot, something is happening on your behalf. Things are moving on your behalf. Chains are being broken on your behalf. God is changing protocol on your behalf. But it has to be by the way you worship him. Yes. Through our children, as we worship God, as we parent, may the Lord start just enjoying your bit. And may he start responding to that bit. As he responds to that bit, may things move on your behalf. Let's just raise up and just worship him. Let God just feel our worship. This Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and share the message to your family and friends. Follow us on our social media at Kingstar Church.